Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Do you want some news about Nico? Yes. Yes, please. Okay. So you would probably know this because you follow me on social media. Again, I'm sorry to people that listen to this podcast that have tried to follow me on social media. My Instagram is private. I just feel really um, happy when I look at yours because I think not everyone's getting to see this. They don't. I love it. It's, I only look now. have like 400 followers. There's not. That's not a lot. Oh, um, you've got an Insta story up. Well, don't read it. Oh, okay. Because I'm about to tell right. you about okay. it. Okay. I think okay. I know it. All right. Yep. So, yeah. So in... I think it may have been... You've got new hair. Oh, yeah, my hair's a bit lighter. I've got a bit blondy. That's good. Like yeah, it. yeah, feeling okay. fresh. Yeah. Um, it, I think it was between our first and second wave, Nico came to me and mm. said, oh, I may have even told the story that we were watching TV and there were extras in the background. We were watching an Australian crime show. Yeah. It was the Nicola Gobbo... Oh, yeah, yeah, Lawyer uh, X. Yeah, yeah, mini crime series Didn't or whatever it, it was. but I know the one. Anyway... Yeah. There were some jail extras in the background, so guys who were like in the prison yard, you know, like doing weights and stuff, just being extras in the background. Oh, like actors being yeah, that. yeah, gotcha. And Nico was like, "I want to do that, be I, an extra." Yes, and I laughed at this man. Yeah, laughed. Why does he want to do that? I laughed at him. He goes, "I just want to do it once," and I was like, "Okay, Nico, this was like a thing that he was just gonna, you know, talk about and never do." Insert new chapter. He went and signed up to an agency. Oh my God. <laughs> Why would you do this? He went and signed up to an agency, right? For the and catering. He, isn't he, it? he was like, I'm going to go to an agency. And I said, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when you go to an agency. <laughs> Let me break this down for you. Yeah. Dear fiance of mine, you're going to go. They're going to say that they think they can get you a ton of work. And then they're going to say, you have to pay us. Yeah. X amount of $100 to do a photo shoot to get your headshots done and then you're going to do that and you're never going to get any work. Exactly. And he was like, oh, do you reckon? (laughs) Nico is like, he's quite tall, he's quite big, but he's very like, he's very innocent to the world. He's not as fucked up as I am. I know people are out to get us. Yeah. So he was like, do you reckon? I was like, absolutely, it's going to happen. Anyway, totters off to his little thing. He comes back. He goes, you're never going to believe it. Exactly what you said happened. They said they could see me doing heaps of work. (laughs) He said, and then they said, it's $500 for a photo shoot. And I was like, I told you, this is what was going to happen. Anyway, (laughs) the little man that could just kept calling agencies eventually found this agency that was like, oh, no, we can just take a couple of digital photos of you and we'll get you work. It's not $500 for those, no. Is he in something? He got a job. Oh, my. What is he? What is he? He no, it's is good. an NYPD <gasps> police officer in the new Liam Neeson No, film. wait, no. Yes, Get yes. out of here. I've been like on massive Liam Neeson watch all week. Okay, so for those who don't Get know, out. Liam Neeson is in Melbourne at the moment shooting his new movie, Blacklight, and everyone in Melbourne has been losing their minds trying to get <laughs> shots of him. Like It was hot topic in Gotta our newsroom. Got to say, room. though, Liam Neeson is a chronic whisperer in the movies, oh, which yes. you know I hate. What's that line that he says? He's always doing a voice like that. <laughs> he's, no, 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 he's never. Always... I will chase you down. I will hunt <laughs> yeah, you down. Yes. Give That's me back my daughter. I will That's actually really you. good. Yes. I will, hunt, I will hunt you. I will hunt you down. Yeah. I will yeah. kill you. So what does... So he's a... So NYPD. Nico's going to take it up to him. Yeah, and so he 
Oh, he rang me. You know Liam Neeson's hung like a rogue elephant. What? <laughs> I don't know yes, that. Everyone knows that. Really? How? Yes. Who? Absolutely. It's like a baby's arm holding an orange. What? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a baby's arm. Please never it's use a, a baby's arm to describe everyone it. Everyone knows it. Watch the movie Rob Roy. There's a scene where he's like naked wading into the freezing cold loch in the in the Scottish Highlands. It'll be somewhere on there. And for just a brief moment, there's like a bit of a shadow between the legs. Like you're looking from behind. He's silhouetted. Oh, but that would have been fake. No. Yes. But Google mm. Liam Neeson penis. No. That's like saying, See what comes up. Yes, If do I it. was a famous actor, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna I would it. have See bigger norms. No. Is it if super was... inappropriate if we put that screenshot on the Facebook page or is that too much? <laughs> I need to see it before yeah. we deem if it's appropriate uh, or not. But if I was a, like, if I was an Neeson actress. Liam Neeson penis. Actor, Let's just see what comes up. Liam Neeson penis. And I was in a shower scene. I would be like, where's okay. Whammy Pammy? Get her. There's That's a... who I want to be my yep. silhouette. Yep. <laughs> that... Who's Whammy Pammy? Pamela Anderson. Oh, okay. Gotcha. See, there's actually a YouTube thing, which I'm not going to play now. How big is Liam Neeson's images. cock? What? The US TV. Oh, you okay. Just... Images. All right. Okay. My goodness. Well, there's... This oh, it's going to be that, but that's not... Yeah, they're all. These are all. Why is he naked all the no, time? He's naked all the time. Put that on there. Look, there's. But look how many articles there are on it. Everyone knows about it. It's, it actually it's, says Liam Neeson's. Yeah, cock. look, I think people are, <laughs> have photoshopped some of this. People have That's photoshopped real. things onto That's, Liam Neeson. That oh, can't be real. Wow. Look, I think he's been quite open about it. Well, I didn't know this about him, but the newsroom has been going crazy trying to find Liam Neeson. Yeah, I've been going crazy trying yep. to find him, and well, I haven't been able to. Have you been asking people to call up if they see him? Yes, I have, and people have sent me photographs of the movie set yes. and all sorts, but not an actual sighting, which is very depressing. Well, we yeah, we keep anyway. We keep sending cameras to find him, but we haven't no anyway. So Nico is going to be in that here. movie now, and I've had to warn him because he's such a sweet soul. I was like, just letting you know, you could go and shoot for four hours and not be in this film. Yeah, you know. Uh, oh, no, don't pop it. Don't, no, pre-pop, like, it. don't no. pre-pop his fun bubble. Don't let him go. Hold on a second. He's not going to know if he's in the film or not. They're not going to call him and say, hello, NYPD Officer 3, just letting you know no, he didn't make it. No, but everyone's going to watch it. Let him, let him get I as know. far as going to the movie. We will go to the movie, but I felt like I just needed to. Can I come with you when you go? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Look, I'm sending you both the photo. This is him. Wait. He did a wardrobe fitting. I can't wait. Oh, he's got a mask. Well, wow. Well, he's wearing a mask, but he went and did a wardrobe fitting and he oh, has such a handsome boy. NYPD outfit. He looks he's really excited. Except and then I, I have a question. To... What's with the oh, tie? Yeah. Well, I think because he has to wear a bomber jacket over that. Oh, okay. So, you know, like the Navy kind of bomber jackets they wear? Yep. Oh, yeah. And a hat. He's got to wear a hat. And he looks a bit American. Yeah, he looks he a bit. He looks like yes. an American-Italian. What's his background? He's he Greek. Got, he's got Greek. Yeah, so. Greek blood. That's what he's doing. Mm. He's very excited. And I he had to. Boy. I was very, I think on this pod, it comes across that I'm very mean to him. But I did say to him. <laughs> Good for you, Dal. I made fun of you. You forged ahead anyway, and well now you are yeah. in a Hollywood film. And that's so, a really you're on the good big role. screen. That's an that's an impressive um, extra Correct. gig. It's not neighbours. It's his it's first Hollywood. extra gig, and he's on like he's in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. that's I massive. I remember watching a, a commercial once where it was somebody was at their fridge, and these 
sort of like a mime. They're head to toe in like body suits. Okay, so they're vitamins. Okay. No, it's a commercial. I can't remember what it's for. And okay. they're like the vitamins, and vitamin C comes in, oh. and magnesium comes oh. in. And I just thought to myself, I know what this is. The logo is a rainbow. Something like that. Yeah. But okay. they're like human beings, but they're yes. in a. A suit, and I've just thought. Imagine if if you like tried to be a, an on TV. And that was the gig you got. Yeah, and you had to say, "Well, I was the vitamin C yes. thing, mine." I still want to be a mascot, though. But anyway, I fear that Nicholas's head could grow so large after being in this Hollywood if film. He's I good, they might. He might be a star. I know. What if he gets to be a movie star? Wedding over. What if Liam Neeson says, "Come for dinner"? I'll let him go. Don't go for Liam Neeson. <laughs> you. you Oh, wow. Anyway, so we'll have an update. He's filming next weekend. Right. So he's very excited. It's a night shoot, a four-hour night shoot. Oh, it'll go for eight. It will, he will be there in just four freezing. Hours. yeah. <laughs> but the, he'll get fed. You won't have to He will get fed that. and he'll get paid, so good for him. That's good. Uh, I've got a story for you. Sure. All right, and it starts with this book, which I read recently by okay. a former detective. Okay. Um, in here in Australia, Victoria, uh, called Colin McLaren. Now, the book's called Infiltration. It's actually really good, and it's mostly about how um, the the pinnacle of the big thing that he did in his career was he infiltrated the mafia in Griffith. Wow! To, over a very long period. It's it's a fascinating read, actually. But, Impressive um, and dangerous. Very, mm. very, yeah, terrifying in places. It was made into a, a TV show. I don't know. He had a, a few different girlfriends. I don't okay. know if he did. It would yet. be hard to live a double life if you had a family. Yes, I think he had partners along the way. Okay, but um, yeah, I might lend it to you. Oh, you okay. don't. You're into crimey stuff at the moment. But no, it, yeah, it's I'm... fascinating how he embeds himself, gets them to accept him, and okay. and you know, every time you hold your breath, thinking they're going to know that he's not really yeah. who he says he is. Um, but uh, before he did all that, when he was working as a police detective, he was um, on the beat, you know, like sure. working as a copper. And he – I'm going to read a little bit from his what he wrote in, in his book and then I'll sort of fill in the gaps of the story because he was involved in um, – I did the Strathfield Massacre recently yes. with um, Wade Frankham up in New South Wales. This is a shooting, which I think I referred to at the time, that happened in Queen Street here okay. in Melbourne in the heart of our city. And Colin McLaren was involved that day. So I'll start with Colin McLaren, who, I took my glasses on, it's in tiny writing. It's hard to fit them over headphones. So this is on December the 8th, 1987. So as he says in his book, it was right in the beginning of summer was a hot afternoon and he was in the car with a fellow detective by the name of Andre. He doesn't give his surname. Uh, it was a Tuesday. He said they knew they'd be clocking off soon because nothing ever happened on Tuesdays. It wasn't quite four o'clock and they were parked under an oak tree in front of a house in East Melbourne, which is... oh Nothing yes. ever happens on Tuesdays. Yes, exactly. It's 100% true. And even yep. in the newsroom, if I need to get out on time on a Friday, Friday is the day everything goes to shit. Yeah, it does. Every Because uh, you think it's not going to and then it does. Yeah, it does. And I don't know what happens, but like someone will get murdered. There'll be something massive that will happen. Yep. It's always on Fridays. It happened 
on fire. Kirsten and I had it the other day. Oh, my God. There Everything was... was on fire. It was like <laughs> it garbage was... truck on fire, recycling See? truck on fire, car on was fire on the freeway. Yes. It was a Friday. Everything. A trailer. It's always a, a Friday. A woman rang up and she said that someone's trailer had caught fire and they pulled their car over to the side of the road. And she said, I can't work out why they haven't unhitched it from the car and moved <laughs> the car from it. She said, they're just standing there looking, looking at, at it. Looking at it. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% right. Nothing happens on Tuesday. Yeah. So that's what they were banking on. And they were sort of getting ready to, to finish their shift. They were parked under, as I said, under a tree in East Melbourne, which is a beautiful suburb of Melbourne. Gorgeous, big trees and lovely. And then the call came over the radio um, to their car, head to Queen Street, report of shots fired. So usually when they, he said normally when they get a first call for a job, they take it with a grain of salt because it's often someone will call in, oh, I need the police to come. Everyone's been killed, sure. you know, and yep. they overstate it. So um, they were sort of like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll go check it out. As they got close, they realised that there was indeed something very bad going on as they got closer to the city because they could hear high-powered weapons, mm. shot after shot after shot. He said it didn't let up. Um he said that they could realise that what we had in Queen Street by the sheer volley of bullets being fired was a deadly, serious crime. So Colin McLaren and Andre were the first detectives there. I just want to make one quick point before I go any further. In his telling of the story in his book, he doesn't name the guy responsible for the shooting, sure. which he says he does out of respect for the victims. I'm going to use the name of the shooter just because I'm choosing to as part of the telling of the story. So I just want to honour what he did in his book. It's not him naming the killer when it does come up. It's me doing it, not Colin. Um, So uh, they parked the car. They ran to the office block where the shooting was coming from. It was a 19-storey building that was home to Australia Post. It was like their head office. Um, I don't know if it still is. He said there were shots splintering out of the windows. There was glass sprinkling out onto the footpath. There were police officers running in all directions. There were taxis swerved up onto the footpath. Everyone was looking upwards. There were at least 20 shots that they heard. They could see shots coming out of the 11th floor. So he and Andre ran uh, Andre ran off around a back alley to try and get into the building from behind and because at this stage they don't know who or what is doing sure. the shooting they think that there's yeah. because there's so many shots they actually thought there were multiple gunmen and isn't that the how that is what puts me in awe of police officers yep. isn't it it's that moment yep. of running towards danger yeah when everyone else is running away uh, so he went in the front door in the public entrance. The lifts were jammed, but what they found out was that most of the office workers were in there hiding under their desks. Oh. Bang, 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 shots still firing, people watching from the opposite building, and the people in the opposite building could see what was happening, and they were pointing to the 11th floor, okay. and then they were ducking down behind their desks every time there was a shot. So Colin was concerned that the offenders might try and get out of the building via the lift so he sort of he I think he must have gone back outside again used the edge of the building as cover Um, he was expecting the lift to open at any moment and hell to come out of it Uh, uniform officers arrived the area was shut down they called for the special operations group SWAT team Mm -hmm. they were told that they were 15 minutes away wow and he said he just yelled 15 fucking minutes um he thought that there were at least two gunmen based on the number of shots. Um, so 
it went on for a bit. The shots then stopped for about a minute or two. Which would have felt like an eternity. Yep. And he said the quiet was quizzical. Mm. So I'm just going to put down his book for a moment there and just pick up where I filled in some of the story. So I want to tell you about a young man by the name of Frank Vitkovic, who was 22 years old. He was said to be friendly and helpful, very big boy, over six feet tall, baby face. He'd grown up in West Preston. He had started a law degree, but he dropped out three years later. He was described by a friend as an excellent student, and he was quite a good tennis player. Um, the uh, secretary of the club where he played said he often threw tantrums on court though and he didn't take losing very well and then he injured his knee which stopped Mm. him playing tennis which I think was a big thing for him sure so on this day of the shooting 8th of December 1987 4.20 in the afternoon he went into the headquarters of Aussie Post in Queen Street there were usually around a thousand people in the building at that time Uh, a lot of them very uh, highly qualified professionals and yes did he have a connection to that building or he just no, chose that building i'm not a hundred percent sure he okay. knew someone in there okay. which i'll get to in a second sure. so i think that okay. was the connection but i don't know why he did um it's a good question i should have found out and i'll probably have to do it in a further episode why he actually did it when i don't think i'm clear on it even having read all i have read on it. okay so he went into the building he was carrying a sawn off m1 carbine must be a rifle of some sort in a brown paper bag. Well, that would be an automatic weapon, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. He went to the fifth floor office, which was the telecom, which these days is Telstra, a phone company. Uh, then it was the Telecom Employees Credit Cooperative. And a friend of his or a former friend of his worked there, Con Margellis. So Con went to the counter. He had a quick chat with Vitkovic who then pulled out the gun. So Con ducked behind the counter and Vitkovic at this point started firing. And Con somehow got away from him and he went and hid in the women's toilets. So, uh, Frank Vitkovic shot and killed a 19-year-old woman called Judith Morris. Another employee said that Vitkovic was laughing as he shot Judith Mm. Morris. A staff member activated the alarm at 4.22pm. Vitkovic then got into the lift to the 12th floor and there he shot and injured a man and a woman. Then he pointed his gun at a woman who was sitting at her desk, but he then shifted his aim to the left and he shot dead Julie Faye McBean, who was only 20 years old, excuse me, and Nancy Avignon, who was just 18 years old. Hope I pronounced her name correctly. He then fired into a corner office. He killed 29-year-old Warren Spencer. Vitkovic then ran down the stairs to level 11, just firing wildly in all directions. He stormed into the computer training centre. He saw 38-year-old Michael Francis McGuire, who was near the coffee machine. Michael was just finishing up for the day. He was about to go home because it was his son's fifth birthday. And he was shot at point-blank range and he died instantly. Vitkovic then went into the corner of the office floor. There were six workers there all hiding under their desks. Marianne Van Uick, Catherine Dowling and Rodney Brown, they were all shot in the head at very close range. I'm counting as we're doing this. Yeah, it's horrific. I'm at 11. Three others were wounded. Uh, I'll have to look at that because some were wounded and some didn't die on the day. Another worker, Donald McElroy, had been shot, but he was still 
able to move around. So he and another man, Tony Gioia, I don't know how it's pronounced, G-I-O-I-A, Goya? Goya, yeah. Yeah, Tony Goya, they tackled. Mm. Like, that's incredible. I have no words. Uh, and the, and the kind of bravery. Donald McElroy was injured and oh. took part. Uh, incredible. Um, Frank Carmody had been shot several times. He wrestled the rifle out wow. of Frank Vickovic's hands. So Tony Goyer and Frank Carmody were later given Australia's second highest bravery decoration, the Star of Courage. As they wrestled with Vickovic, a woman named Rosemary Spiteri, again, unbelievable bravery. She grabbed the rifle and she took it and hid it in a fridge. Wow. So Vitkovic managed to sort of get away from them and there's wrestling. They're all sort of scrambling with each other. He headed for an open window and Goya thought he was going to try and climb out onto the ledge. The glass was broken. Okay. He was cut. He grabbed hold of him and held him by the ankles yeah. to stop him getting away. I'm just going to go back now to Colin McLaren's book because his perspective now of what was happening. Um, and I'm just going to read sure. his book. Uh, he said, then a shattering of glass on the 11th floor. Someone was kicking out a glass panel. I ran back outside and I looked up, squinting through the glaring sun at falling fragments of glass and debris. Some of it landed on my face. The entire panel of glass was flying outwards. A man's upper body could be seen reaching out of the building. So this is where Vickovic was hanging out. Yeah. Um, half in, half out, arms thrashing. Desperately, I tried to understand what I was seeing. Sweat was dripping all over me. Out of nowhere, another person appeared, holding onto the first man. They were struggling, fists flying, arms swinging. It lasted no more than a minute. The first man seemed to free himself from the other's grip, thrusting himself further out of the building as if clutching at straws into the hot air. I couldn't fathom why. As I watched, he fell from the window all the way to the ground. I watched his downward journey, falling heavily towards the footpath. I ducked under the line of the building as he got nearer the ground, nearer to me. The gliding man hit a metal pit cover on the footpath with a massive thud, bouncing a metre into the air. The second he hit the plate, there was an inexplicable cartoonish quality to seeing him bounce, to know that a body could do that. The noise was so ferocious, everyone watching jumped in fright. A fully loaded magazine fell from his pocket and some of the bullets rolled lazily towards the gutter and stopped. The brass casings glittered in the sun. He landed only metres from where I was standing. So, Frank, wow. that's Frank... Frank Vitkovic that has come out of the window. At 4.27pm, just 17 minutes after he entered the building, Vitkovic fell to his death on the footpath below. He had cut himself so badly on the window before he fell. Apparently his, his blood sprayed down the wall oh. of the building, like the exterior of the building yeah, had a yeah. line of blood on it all the way down. So Colin McLaren said that at first he thought that multiple gunmen he still doesn't know there's only one gunman right. he still thinks there's multiple gunmen and his first thought was oh my god they're throwing people out the window oh he didn't realize that it was a lone gunman uh, and he was trying to think why yeah. a victim would have bullets in his pocket 
So he re-entered the building. I'll just go back he to his book. He wasn't thinking very straight quickly. either. No, well, he was just trying to make sense of what was going yeah. on. So he re-entered, uh, re-entered the building. He said, my first impression was that of a war zone. There was coagulated globs of blood around him. Um, there were cowering victims. There were He and um, his uh, Andre, his partner, they were moving really cautiously through the room. As they walked, they were still looking for the odd man out for someone that sure. yeah, wasn't it a victim. Wasn't- trying to hide um maybe someone would have a gun pointed at them one woman was he said was clutching a man uh but the for comfort but the man was dead his chest had been blown wide open another woman sat in a corner cradling a dead female workmate she looked at peace as she stroked the dead woman's hair he walked to a group of workers huddled in a corner and he said, where's the gunman? Where's the gunman? And they didn't say anything. They were just pointing to the window. There was no gunman. And at round about that point, he realized that the gunman, the gunman come he, out the window. He, he made sense of it then. So in the ensuing investigation where they were trying to make sense of what had happened, the police went to search Vukovic's house, his room. They found newspaper cuttings of the Clifton Hill Massacre. Oh, right. Which we know better as the Hoddle Street Massacre. Um, if for those not familiar with it, um, a man by the name of, I don't want to call him a man, just a, a piece of shit. I won't even say his name. There we are, because he loves to hear his name in the media. He so does. let's not give him anything. You can Google it yourself. Hoddle Street Massacre. A piece of shit. Um, killed dead, shot dead just randomly seven people and injured 19. Have I ever mentioned to you my connection? No. No. Sorry, it's one of those things I've left out. Okay. Do you one want of to his or no? Victims. No, no, no. It's fine. One of his victims, not one of the ones who died, one of his victims who still has a scar to this day is a friend I won't say a close friend okay. but his children went to school with my children so beautiful family just beautiful but every time that name comes up yeah you know his his children are now young adults and they now have to hear that their father so he was he was coming home from a night shift yeah just driving his car along Hoddle Street and was shot in the leg oh my goodness it has a big scar on his leg so just I know from their experience yes how it affects them whenever he comes up in the in media, media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has spoken about it, and yeah, sometimes he's happy to speak about it. But um, yeah, uh, so anyway, um, Vikovic had newspaper cuttings of what happened in, Cl- in Clifton Hill in, in Hoddle Street in his room, and right. he had underlined bits of it in red, the bits that interested him. He had a gun license. He'd bought a weapon a few weeks before the shooting. He left a note addressed to his parents, and it said, Today is going to be the day. The anger in my head has got too much for me. I've got to get rid of my violent impulses. The time has come to die. There is no other way out. At the coronial inquiry, Con Margellis, that was the first fellow who we went to speak to in the building, he testified that he and Vitkovic had been friends for several years, but he hadn't seen him for months. He'd stopped seeing Frank Vitkovic because of his depression over his knee injury. Okay. There were no drugs or alcohol in his system. He had died instantly when he fell. Um, in Vitkovic's diary, he referred to sexual problems. Now, he referred to when he was eight years old, he was forced to undress in a school locker room in front of the other kids. I mean, haven't we all had to do that? Yeah, I had to do that. It's swimming. And his hated it. Same. Not cool with it. Does that happen still? I'm going to interrupt myself. Well, I don't know, but have you have you watched the new Nicole Kidman No, thing, I know the one that you're talking the about. The Undoing. There's a scene where she's in the locker room okay. and a naked lady comes up and speak to her, speaks to her and 
I was thinking to myself, how would I be if that was me? Would I just try and be cool and have a natural yeah. conversation with the naked? Like it's. I remember having to do that in high school as well for PE. You had to change just in front of everyone. It's a bit embarrassing. It's. I was really embarrassed and there were cubicles in the change rooms and I always used to go into the cubicles. Yeah, I'm a cubicle person. Because I was really uncomfortable and I think it's really... Does that still happen? I don't Surely know. Surely not. I haven't been to a public swimming thing, but there are women who go, oh, I'm just getting undressed and we're all okay here. But like in high school, does it happen? You. I don't know you. And I can't help looking if you're going to go, ta-da, because we're all different. And it's like, oh. I just, I think people that's should. That's not what my boys like. I, I feel really sorry for teenage girls if that still happens in high school. Yeah, I hope it doesn't. Bit awkward, but then they did it on on your telly show on your network SAS Australia, which I think is it's a best show. It's, it's so a good. Great show. But they made them all boys and girls, men and women. They had all wheelies get, out and everything. I they saw all had that. To get undressed. Yes, yeah. that's a show where people regular quotation mark people yeah. and celebrities uh, try out to be a part of the essay. Well, they do the course that you have to do. It's a to really get good show. It's a really good show. Mm. I, I really hope students don't have to do that because I was terribly embarrassed in high school when so, I had to get changed and there was always the fit girls. You try and get dressed under your towel. Yes, it's very hard to do that, especially if you're wet and you're cold and it's you want to pull your, get your under. You can't get your undies up. You can never get your undies up. They roll. You can't do the – they do roll and then you panic <laughs> and you can't get them unrolled when yes. scary. And you're just pulling up a, a roll. Um, he had an uncircumcised penis. What? Oh. And that, that sounded like we edited that, but that was just change that of time. Was, yes. Uh, and he, so the other kids made fun of him because they must have all been circumcised and right. he thought that there was something wrong with that. And um, he was then embarrassed to be naked and he didn't have sex with a girl until he was, or he completely avoided them until he was 19. Right. Because he felt like there was something wrong with his penis because of those nasty boys. Isn't that awful? Um I don't feel sorry for him, but no. kids shouldn't do that. There was, oh, there was just if you ever look at this story, there is there was some discussion about the delay of getting ambulance people into the building to okay. help. I was actually going to say, even when you mentioned that it would take fifteen minutes for the special operations group to get there, that would never happen now. Yeah, they would well, be they, there much quicker, especially to Queen Street. They held the ambos back for quite a long time, yeah, and there was safety. a lot of debate about it at the time. Okay. But the coroner said that the police response was satisfactory and that no complaints could be made about it and that um, well, the short version is that nobody died because of the delay in letting the ambos in. So I think people who had been killed were killed straight away. Sure. Everyone else who could be helped was helped. So um, the other issue that was raised, I just thought it was a bit weird, was that Vitkovic had been and done one of those, I don't know if you've ever been stopped on the street and asked to do a Church of Scientology test. No. I did one once and I didn't know what it was. They said, come in and we'll do a personality profile on you. And you're like, sure. And I had, yeah, I had nothing else to do and they seemed friendly. So I went in, I'm filling in this like, you know, personality thing. I'm thinking, what is this? And at some point during it, I said, what is this? And I was kind of looking around going, what the fuck? This is some weird shit And going so were they assessing your eligibility? They assess your personality, you know, and oh. of course they tell you everything's wrong with you so yes. that you have to sign up to their church. Okay. Uh, they'll find this podcast somehow. If you ever mentioned the Scientologists on they air. They find you? Oh, they send material. Do they? they offer, yeah, they hate it when you talk about it. Okay. So he had done one of these 
personality tests and <laughs> how's the Scientology it, <laughs> admin typing dead bodies podcast at gmail.com oh they come after you they're just shocking anyway they told him he'd hit rock bottom and they told him to en- enroll in a Scientology course not helpful would have been better to send him off for a bit sure. of psychiatric help anyway uh, so the final list of victims it was actually eight that were shot dead that right. day um I won't go. I've mentioned all of their names. I don't yes. want to be disrespectful to any of them. No. There was only one thing that came out of it that I don't even want to call it a positive, but the only thing that could not be seen as a negative that day was that there were a smaller number of people in the building that day because there was a, a right. train I know strike what you're on. Saying. It could have been much... Well, it was getting close to Christmas time. Some people had wrapped up, but there was a train strike on. Yeah. And a lot of people had finished up work I early for the day. I it could have been much worse. That's yes. not the right thing to say because people died and their families would be very yeah. upset. But I, you know what I mean when there I say that. There were people who probably thanked their lucky stars. They had left earlier that day it's because like September there was a train 11, strike. Isn't it? There's people that do that as they well. They were meant to, to be yeah. there that day. They weren't there. They tried to beat the traffic and, and got out of there a bit early. So I suppose that was... the. They would be counting their blessings that mm. that happened. So there you are. That is the horrible Queen Street massacre, and I'll just give you one final footnote on Please. it. Please, and I won't name the people involved in this okay. because I think they've never lived it down. But um, as you know, when there's breaking news and people don't know what's going on, and uh, so there was a guy who was on air at the time, and he. Um, was just told, quick, quick, like the newsroom had gone. Someone had come in from the newsroom and gone, quick, quick, throw to me. There's breaking news, breaking news. And he threw to that person by going, so, Boffo, what's the – whatever the guy's name, let's call him Bob. So, Bob, give us the latest on the shenanigans in Queen Street. Oh, Oh, no. The shenanigans in Queen Street. And on has come newsreader, Bob or whatever whose name's not Bob, and said, uh, eight people have been shot dead and a man has thrown him killed. And uh, Yeah, can you imagine? So I'm always super careful with breaking news. It scarred you. you You've got to always assume the worst. You do, that's true. Yeah. So there you are. There's that for you. Mm. Another shocking crime in the town I live in that I didn't know about. Yeah. You've got it now. Now you do know. Okay. Well, what mine's a quick recap of a story that we've already done and an update on it. And it's in huge type. <laughs> it's in huge type. It's so big. Um, Anatoly Moskvin. I know that name. Yes. For those who don't remember, he was the Russian linguist and historian who lived, well, in Russia because he's Russian. Anyway, don't know why I wrote that, but anyway. Uh <laughs> He was, as a young boy, liked to roam around cemeteries. He was fascinated by death uh, and became quite scarred after he was forced to go to the funeral of an 11-year-old girl. Changed his life that moment. That's right. For the worst. Uh, He became obsessed with death, was studying it, but was somewhat of a genius. He was was quite smart, had a personal library of 60,000 books and a rather large doll collection. Uh, His... He never married. He never dated anyone. He lived with his parents. His parents didn't know what the dolls <laughs> Grown were. Grown men don't have doll collections. They don't. But the parents just thought that that was just him. You know, let him be him. Anyway, things started... Shit got real is the only way I can describe it. When police realised that graves had been robbed in the local cemetery, they uh, led it all back to him and found 
26 dead children in his house who were partly mummified. He'd put makeup on them and he was keeping them as dolls. There's videos. There's videos. If you Google his name, Anatoly, A-N-A-T-O-L-Y, Moscovin, M-O-S-K-V-I-N. They are unbelievable. They're not. They are. Look, there are some gross photos, but the main ones are not gross because they don't look like people. They do look like dolls. I, no. Yes, they do. It, that's the weird part, though. Like, I think in the video, and it sort of sweeps around. I mean, it's a house yes. of a mad person, it you is. can tell. But it's, I think that not being able to quite distinguish what's real and what's not, I think is yes. creepier than going, here's a body. And in the video you mentioned, it does sweep across a room, and there are the bodies, which are the dolls, sitting on shelves and chairs and things like that. Which are the real ones? Yeah, that's What the if thing. their little eyeballs move? Well, in oh. some of them, he'd wedged music boxes into their rib cages oh. as well so that he could make them play music. Oh. Yeah, and he would celebrate their birthdays too. Um, so recently, he started to want to get out of the psychiatric unit. So basically, oh. yes – Yes, he wants freedom. So he confessed to 44 counts of abusing children aged between 3 to 12 or abusing the graves of children. I was just going to say, abusing not alive, dead. Yes, dead. And he had told parents of these children, you abandoned your girls in the cold and I brought them home and warmed them up. (gasps) Don't touch my baby. If that was my child, I I would... Fucking kill you, mate. So he was deemed uh, to have paranoid schizophrenia and he went to a psychiatric facility and that's where he stayed from, oh, I think it was 2011. And every year it had to be reviewed. Yeah. So he never went to trial. He was just deemed not fit for trial, went to this psychiatric facility. Uh, In 2019, he was deemed healthy and reformed and there were calls for him to be released well now hang on with releasing people and and people who shouldn't be released do Hmm. shouldn't you judge it on what is the likelihood that they're going to re-offend re-offend yes and as much as like i would want to smack the living daylights out of him if he touched the dead body of my child Hmm. it's not actually hurting anyone he's not killing anyone no so it's vile, but it's – I don't know what you do in this situation. Do you ban him from cemeteries? But that doesn't mean that he doesn't still go there. But do you also go, well, he's a clearly a sandwich short of a picnic, so you don't yeah. want him out and about. Out and about. Yep. Well, just in case he ever sees a living kitty and goes – Well, make how nice do you know it doesn't escalate? Yes, yes that's true, correct. True. We've really brainstormed We're not that. letting him out. We're not letting him out. So in 2019, he's deemed reformed. Uh, there are calls to let him out, but they were shut down. But as recently as last month, <gasps> he began lodging appeals for his release from jail no. because he wants to live with his new girlfriend. Can... Huh? <laughs> how, does he, how does he have a girlfriend? He's got a girlfriend. Is she alive? Y- she yes. human? So... The judge, sure? yes, and in his recent appeal, he um, refused to apologise to the parents of the children. No, okay. No, you've got to start with that. Yeah, mm. that's where it always starts, is yeah. admitting your crime. Yep. And saying, well, he did admit it, but uh, 
showing remorse. Yeah. Anyway, so his psychiatric detention has uh, been renewed, mm-hmm. but only for six months. Oh, no. They're going to come back in six months' oh. time. So this happened last month. So in five months' time. How old is he They're now? going to – oh, he's not that – he's not old. Like, definitely living a great life. Kirsty, I think are you 50s? letting him out? No. God, no. Okay. Can they ask us? We're experts. Mm. We do this stuff all the time. Come this on. Is fair. We'll go to a vote here. Yeah. They should ask us. It's a no from me. Mm. 54. What if they had, like, a panel – 54, wow. What if they had like a, you know, on uh, Australia's Got Talent and there was just like three X's in, in the lineup. You could spin your chair buzzer. around if you yeah. and send them straight no. to, yeah, hard time. <laughs> that would, I would watch that. Do you think they ever will let him out? Possible. They can't keep renewing Is it every Russia? single year. It's Russia. Uh, they can't keep reviewing every single year and keep going, can they? Every six months? And just, oh. I reckon it gets out at some. It's point. It's a lot of paperwork. Yeah, I reckon yeah. it gets out at some point. I reckon they still wear white coats in their labs too. Other doctors are really hip everywhere these days. No one wears a white coat unless they're standing behind Donald Trump. That's true. But, but um, I reckon the Russian ones do. Maybe. I reckon here there's a chance he gets out. Mm. I'm cynical though. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.